This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. I'm your host, Ryan Jury. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Welcome to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. During this installment, we're going to discuss patient access, basic steps to tackle no-shows, and the Atlantic City play. Sadly, the play isn't called the Vegas play, because if it was, then we could enjoy Elvis singing... Patient access is important for a variety of reasons. When is the last time you thought about patient access from the patient's perspective? Think about how easy it is to access a variety of things in our lives. And is healthcare as easy to access? Join us in this episode as we explore ways to increase patient access and reduce no-shows. My name is Amanda Laramie. I'm a coach and trainer with Coleman Associates, and I've been doing work with them for about seven and a half years. Seven and a half years? That's Mm -hmm. uh, a long time. It is, actually. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that, but it is. And uh, how did you get started with the Coleman Associates? What's your background? Um, I actually started in women's health. I worked at a women's health clinic in Rhode Island, and I started as the assistant health center manager and then the manager. And then we went through an intense change process. And then I moved out to Boulder, Colorado and met Melissa. So how did uh, you start in women's health? Was it just a matter of the fact, like you applied for the job or did you always had a passion for women's health? Uh, it's actually, no, I, I got into women's health because I was a gender and women's studies and English major in college. And yeah. I just knew I wanted to do something related to women's studies. And yeah. so there was a job open at this clinic and uh, I got a job started in fundraising and development first. Okay. Yeah. So you, you, you study in and did women's study. What about women's health? Do you really enjoy? Um, I think I, I like giving women the information to make their own decisions about their reproductive care. Um, okay. And yeah. And the women's health clinic I started working at was awesome because they, they did a lot of training for their MAs and I started as an MA. And so I was doing like birth control counseling right away. And yeah. I loved, loved that. Yeah. Access is a really difficult situation for programs like women's health or that, you know, access is often an issue, especially working in the populations that community health centers and women's health um, clinics work in. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what does this term access mean? Oh, I see access as meaning um, patients call or walk in and can get an appointment when they want, when they need to be seen for something, whether it's urgent or not. What's the difference between access and the uh, the beloved word productivity? Access is more from a patient's perspective. It's from, you know, like the patient's point of view. Can I get in when I make an appointment? And I think productivity tends to be more like an administrative perspective of the amount of patients we see or need to see. So, so access is looking through the window of the patient to be able to get into a clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's through the phone or walking in. When I'm using the word access, how can I measure what access is? How do I measure access? Well, there's a couple different ways. And I think that 
like the first way is you could look at their next available appointment or TNA and see when an appointment, when a patient can get an appointment with their PCP, like how many days. That's mm -hmm. one way. Okay. Um, and then the other way uh, is looking at the number of missed opportunities that happen in a clinic day. So what is a missed opportunity? A missed opportunity is anytime an appointment slot goes unused. So the okay. day ended and you had slots that didn't get filled by patients. Okay. What other ways can I measure mm -hmm. access? Well, no-show rate is another one. So uh, if you have a high no-show rate, that means that appointments are being taken by patients who don't end up coming in. Okay. And so that hurts access, yeah. Um, have you, do you guys ever measure access, um, through the portal or through phones or other means? Cause we've been talking mm -hmm. about access into a clinic to get seen, but you know, there's obvious other ways to have access to the clinic. Have you measured anything else? So as you've worked with the Coleman team? Uh, yeah, we've, I mean, we've made mystery shopper phone calls. So, you know, it's these, uh, calls in to see what it's like as a patient, even just hold time on the phone. What is your... So as you do mystery calls, what's your least favorite thing about certain calls uh, or auto attendance? Um, I hate when there are so many options. It's like, you know, a patient has to listen twice through just to decide what button to press. I think that's a tough one from a patient <laughs> yeah. perspective. I, I call my bank all the time and, and I push like one and then I'm like, Hold on. And I actually hold the number up in my hand of the one that I think I want to select because I can't remember as, as there's like eight options. Right. So it's like, do you want right. to talk to a bank or this or do you want to make a payment? And I and so I usually will hold the number up that I need to select. So, yeah, long options can be frustrating. You know who's really good at that as a company? Um, Southwest Airlines. Like they say two things. They're like, press one for international travel, two for domestic travel within the United States, and then it rings and someone picks up. Hmm. They're so good at that. It's so easy to call them. I don't dread it. Like I dread other companies. Yeah. Yeah. You've talked about access and different ways to measure access. Um, why isn't access important from a clinic management perspective? Well, I mean, if you're in community health or, I mean, any place, it doesn't have to be community health. It can be a private practice, public hospital, whatever. Uh, you know, your mission is to provide care for your community. And if your community can't get in, uh, they're going to go to the emergency room or urgent care or somewhere where it's, uh, it's expensive and not the best care because they're not seeing the same provider they always see. Okay. What, what would, uh, so let's say I have really bad access or, or my access is high and it takes mm -hmm. a long time for my patients to get in to see me. Um, what, what are some first things out the gate that I should start evaluating to be able to understand what I should do? Well, I think the first thing you can do, and we do this with a lot of community health centers or practices we work with is make mystery shopper calls. In fact, I don't think there's a a clinic I've gone in to work with as Coleman Associates where I haven't made a mystery shopper call or had them make their own. So I think mystery shopper call is the first step. And what is that? What does that help us understand? It just gives you sense as a patient of like, are you on hold for a while? If you do talk to someone, do they give you options for making an appointment? Do they 
knee jerk, say three weeks, and then that's when you can get in. You just get a sense of what patients are experiencing. Okay. Oh, so it's not just a matter of listening to the call tree and understanding what the options are, but it's, it's hearing what your, your staff are telling patients in terms of getting an appointment. Yeah. And, and some of the things you can learn right away is like, do they ask you for your date of birth first or do they ask you for what you need to be seen for? And sometimes the order of those questions matter. And why is that? Well, because if they ask about your date of birth and you're like a new patient, they're, they're like trying to see if you're established as if that matters for how fast you have to get in versus just serving your community, which is, you know, what, what can we help you with? What can we see you for? Let me get you scheduled for that versus date of birth insurance, gotcha. <laughs> which is like, they're screening you. Yeah. yeah. Since that, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So you do the mystery shopper calls, you find out that they say it's going to take four weeks to get in, or, you know, maybe it's dental We're we're, we're booking out six months now. Um, What's the next step? Um, then I would look at two measures. The first one being their next available appointment, like when are their openings in the schedule, and then uh, looking at your no-show rate. Okay. How do I calculate um, what is their next available? How do I calculate that? So it's it's a little bit of a, a esoteric measure because okay. it's harder to count, but you basically count out the number of days until you see the third next opening for that PCP. Okay. And then, um, no show rate. How do I calculate no show rate? No show rate is the number of patients who no show divided by the number of patients who were scheduled for that shift or that day, and then times a hundred to get the percentage. Um, so let's, theoretically say that my third next available is true. The call center was correct. It's three weeks, four weeks about it's three, four weeks out. And my no show rate is average for health centers. I don't know. 15% doesn't seem too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, What do I do next? Well, then I would start trying to reduce your no show rate first because it's you. Yeah. I would do the no show rate first. Why is that? Because if you reduce the no-show rate, you'll have, you know, you you won't, I mean, the way we always see it is if you have a no-show, it's like taking two appointments, not one, out of the schedule. You know, it's the appointment that they no-showed for and the appointment that they're going to reschedule for. So it's like double dipping into the schedule. If you can reduce that, then you can have more access for patients. So just squeezing the lemon a little bit more, right? Using what you Mm -hmm. already have and trying to, to improve the efficiency there. Well, right. And then if you know that someone's not going to come in, you can take the slot for another patient who calls that day or walks in and you know, hey, I do have something available. This person's not coming versus kind of letting the appointment go by and then it becomes a missed opportunity. We wanted to take a short break and ask for you to leave a review and subscribe to our podcast. By doing so, it helps our podcast become more relevant when other health center innovators like you are searching for a podcast. Also, be sure to share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks, and now back to the show. How do I address no-shows out the gate? What, like, what is your steps of step one, addressing no-shows? You kind of, what is your first step in addressing no-shows? I think the first step is make a good confirmation call script and call patients one to two days in advance and spend a little more time with them on the phone than you otherwise would have and 
like get them to invest a little time in you before they come in so that they're more likely to come in. Yeah. 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 uh, My wife, uh, on our third child, they actually called my wife and, um, did a robust confirmation call from the hospital and they asked her and went over all of her history and everything. And so her visit was actually much shorter because it was all done over the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure your wife didn't want to like miss that appointment because she felt like she took all that time ahead of the visit to do that with she, that person. And she, actually, she actually also really appreciated it because instead of tagging along two children with her to her OB visit, she was able to do it on the phone on the couch. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's even a better reason. That's awesome. Yeah. So I so first step is a good confirmation call. Yeah. Um, what would be the next step you would take? I think the next step would be to look at day of tactics to see okay. if your patients are coming in. Cause, cause even then if you do that confirmation call a day before something could happen day of, and so to call them if they're not here yet and see if they're on their way. What are some day of tactics? So calling patients, if they're not here yet for their appointments, like 10 to five minutes before they're supposed to be here and they're not here yet, you can okay. call them. We, we call that a jockeying call. Okay. We identify that access is, is, is a problem in our health center. And hypothetically, we're looking for strategies to improve it. I think a very common strategy is to just overbook. So say our target number from finance is we need to see 16, 18, 20, whatever it is. And we say, okay, we're just going to do plus five, plus 10, plus 20. Mm-hmm. And so we overburden the system with just scheduling a lot of extra patients because our no-show rate is high. Is there any way out of it? I mean, is that the only I mean, option? No. I mean, no. And I think that's where a lot of people want help is because it's such a dissatisfying thing for staff to be like, we're just booking that many more patients on the schedule and don't know who we're going to see. Okay. Um, so I think there's a way out of it. I think one of the ways is to reduce the no-show rate so you don't have to overbook that many. Okay. And then... Yeah. And then I think the other way, if you're still not getting your no-show rate like down as low as you want it, you can try a play called the Atlantic City play. Okay. What is the Atlantic City play? Uh, the Atlantic City play, it's in our no-show playbook, even though technically it doesn't really reduce the no-show rate. So what that's one thing you should know. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So what it does is it still improves access. So instead okay. of just like overbooking yeah, like five or 10 more patients on the schedule just to meet the number of patients you want to see and just putting them anywhere. It says, we're just going to look at the patients. We're going to gamble a little bit on the patients who didn't pick up the phone or had disconnected phone numbers or have no showed in the past and they didn't answer their phone. And we're going to say, let's overbook on just those patients because we're going to gamble and bet that they're not going to come in. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) it can be, but I mean, I I guess it's like, what's more terrifying that or just adding five to 10 more patients randomly throughout the schedule. So it sounds a little more intentional is what you're saying. Yes. It's like, it's like making an estimated guess versus just a random shot in the dark. So how do I decide who to gamble on? So that, that varies a little bit from clinic to clinic. Like some people will use, yeah, some people use fancy algorithms that their EHRs have. Like Epic is really good at that. Um, Other people just have certain criteria the patient has to meet. What is the criteria? Um, So like, because this is a foreign concept to me. So what does the criteria look like? 
So it can be like uh, a patient who we tried calling twice and they never answered okay. and they had a history of no showing. So essentially just creating some criteria and looking for trends of who's no showing historically and saying, okay, those are the people we're going to gamble on. Yep. Yeah. Why do you, do you like the, I mean, when would you recommend the Atlantic city play? I would recommend it when people have tried, like exhausted a lot of methods to reduce the no-show rate. Like they're doing confirmation calls. Maybe they've tried a few other plays from the no-show playbook and they can't get that no-show rate, I don't know, below 12% or something. And they're having an access problem. Like patients can't book an appointment for two to three to four weeks out. So let's say... Um, hypothetically, that access is still bad, no-shows are still high, and I'm doing a good confirmation call. I'm just not getting it to budge, but access is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. Is this when I would use the Atlantic City play? I think so. I think it's one of the reasons you'd use the Atlantic City play. Yeah. What are some challenges to the Atlantic City play? Well, I think the first one is like how scared people are of it, uh, mm-hmm. of, of being nervous that they're both, pa- both patients are going to show up that you both. at the same time. Yeah. Cause you put them in the same slot. So yeah. Um, how do you address that challenge? I mean, what are some tactics that you could do to address that challenge? I think you can start small. You can say that you have certain criteria that you would Atlantic city play patients on, and you could just say, okay, if we have 12 patients scheduled for the shift tomorrow and five patients meet the criteria. Let's only do it on two. And you could start there. Okay. I'm working in a health center. I'm thinking about applying the Atlantic city play. What are some things, uh, kind of red flags I should be looking for where I may not be a good candidate for this? Hmm. I think, I mean, I think anyone who has a lot of walk-ins, you know, the day, like walk-ins, patients who are walking in that day, I think that you have basically more of a pool of patients to pull from. If you have a no-show or a last-minute cancellation and you want to make sure you can accommodate those people, I'd be careful of the Atlantic City play because then you're not going to have spots for them. Okay, so the Atlantic City play works better for those who don't have a large walk-in pool. I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Do you have any final words of wisdom for someone interested in playing the Atlantic city? Yeah, I, I think that try it. Um, and know that in our experience and you have to figure this out for yourself, you should see it for yourself. But in our experience, like both patients coming in at the same time only happens 10 to 20% of the time. Like usually people gamble correctly. Amanda, in your traveling of the nation and the health centers you've been in, what, can you share with me what you think is like the best example you've seen of the Atlantic city play? Yes. So there's this health center I worked with that was in Northern California, like North of the Bay area. Okay. And they, is yeah, that they still used, considered Northern California? Oh, I always refer to it that way. I guess I refer to it that way when I'm <laughs> speaking to people in Southern California. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I always refer to it that way. Now I'm going to look it up. Um, so they used, uh, eClinical works, which is the okay. electronic health record. And they were really concerned about making sure they had access for their patients. So they used color coding in their practice management system and the color coding, 
there was a specific color for any patient who didn't hard confirm their appointment. So was it like a big red hot chili pepper red? (laughs) I don't think it was red. I want to say it was like pink or something else that was loud. I don't think it was red though. But yeah, it was a trigger to everybody, including the people who worked in the call center to say, this is a potential no-show. This patient is okay to overbook. Okay. How many did they overbook? Do you know how many per session or per day? I think it depended on how many people, how many patients didn't hard confirm, but they didn't stop it at a certain number. I remember that they didn't have like a quota or a specific threshold. They would just did it on anyone who had that pink color. And who was in charge of pinking somebody? It was, so the MAs in that practice um, made the confirmation calls. And so if they made an attempt and then another attempt and didn't reach them, they turned them pink. Okay. So pretty simple process. They did one confirmation call. How many days out? Like what was their first confirmation call? I think it was two days out in that example. And then they did one the next day. Yeah. Okay. How many people on the schedule were pink? I mean, what if it wasn't a ton, it wasn't a ton. They had a lower no-show rate, which is why they could do it. So, um, and that meant that they had a lot of patients picking up their phone. And I think they were even trying different times of the day to get a hold of their patients. So they had that nailed pretty well. This was like the last resort they used so that they could see the number of patients they needed to see and could provide access to their community. Okay. Well, that concludes this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. I'd like to make a quick shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for all of his assistance in making this podcast happen. Thank you, Amanda, for spending time with us and sharing with us. Amanda, you're a wealth of knowledge and I always learn so much from you. As a reminder, the No Show Playbook is available online at colemanassociates.com under the tools section. Don't forget to subscribe and if there's anything that you're interested in knowing and would love to learn more, reach out to us and let